You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. It is Spain and Fitz, a half hour early and with no Fitz. That's right. It's solo Spain for the next two and a half hours because you know how ESPN will put us to work. They were like, oh, you want to take some days off? Cool. Host two and a half hours solo first. Earn it. And I'm going to earn it. And there is a lot going on today. Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Shell Penzo performance line. And we've got a bunch of them. Ramona Shelburne, Malika Andrews, Field Yates, James Worthy, Sue Bird. I don't know if I forgot anyone, but that is more than enough friends to hang out with me tonight as I get you ready for the holidays on the eve of Christmas Eve. I thought we'd do a lot of content about Festivus, which is today. Or maybe Christmas presents or, you know, the holidays if you're going to be home alone because of the pandemic, you know, making you feel good about that selfless decision. But there is news breaking all over in the association, in the NFL. There is a lot to get to. And it's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That's right. I'm giving you the Straight Talk right off the bat here today because we were trying to follow along with this James Harden story. Not the one we've been talking about for weeks already, but the newest story, which was a video that got out there of him in a club, James Uh, said it was very important to note it was not a strip club, but it was a club that had what looked like strippers in it or maybe just women who don't like clothes. Either way, there were naked women. It was a club, hundreds of people, no mask, no social distancing, indoors, in a pandemic. You know, all the things that we know we're not supposed to do, and we've known for nine months that we're not supposed to do. So his statement on Instagram that every day it's something different One thing after another, I went to show love to my homegirl at her event, not a strip club, because she's becoming a boss and putting her people in position of success, and now it's a problem. Every day it's something different. No matter how many times people try to drag my name under, you can't. The real always end up on top. I had some thoughts on that, and I had some thoughts on this whole thing, and I talked about it today on Around the Horn. So since I don't have a co-host, I'm making Clinton Yates my de facto co-host, and we got into it. Here's what it sounded like. The position the Houston Rockets find themselves tonight Game one of the NBA season without a bubble. The Houston Rockets are in the position of having made your bed and now sleeping in it. This is exactly why I said playing Harden and having him around the team was a bad idea because the worst-case scenario was going to be something blows up in your face that you can't handle, and that's exactly where we are in terms of what they're going to be able to do in terms of moving him. As for the COVID situation, that's an extremely unfortunate scenario that, again, I look at the Rockets and I say, what is happening in terms of what happened in your front office from an organization standpoint? Guys are getting haircuts in the same room. That should be something that I would think if I'm on a team, I'm I'm handling is part of simply how I deal with my players overall. And it's unfortunate because I think a lot of people want to conflate the concerns about what Harden is as a person with what happens on the court. And if I'm a fan of the Rockets, I don't care if Harden gets his kicks at the local library, never mind some gentleman's club. What I care about is whether or not they can put a team on the court. And they can't right now. And it doesn't really matter why, in my opinion, it's unfortunate that this is how we have to educate ourselves about a pandemic. But when you're protocol uh, guide is over 150 pages. Some things seem like a little bit more common sense, and the Rockets don't seem to be applying very much of that right now. Sarah's shaking her head. No, this is the tournament champions. Come on back in, Sarah, please. I just I just want to say, did, did Clinton hold a single human being accountable there, or did he just keep blaming the Rockets for the decisions being yes, made the by the Yes, the human beings who run the, the Rockets' front office are accountable for what they do and none of in the terms players, of the players that go on the None of the, the players court. getting the haircuts and going to the club. None of those people are responsible. After nine months of being told what we can and can't do, it's on the team only? Clinton, respond. 
No, it's not about only. The team is part of the entire operation. The players are only one part. The people who ultimately write the checks are the people who should be held most responsible in this position. And that's what I think. If I was a fan of the team, that's what I think. I'm not. And I look upon it and I say, yo, it doesn't matter why these dudes aren't here. You can't field a team. You're paid to do that. And they can't. Because the players are unavailable. Because they're making personal decisions as adults that go against the protocol laid out for them. I posted it on my Twitter. You can watch the full exchange, which uh, actually the, the, the part on Twitter is what I said before Clinton decided to throw the responsibility to the people in charge of the Rockets. And listen, I get it. You can't be surprised by James Harden being a guy who likes going to clubs. That's something he's always done. But you can be surprised when someone is using a pandemic as leverage for their desired trade. And that's what he's doing. This isn't about going to a strip club. This isn't about going to a club at all. This is about the decision to do anything. Like Clinton said, it could be a library. If you showed me a video of him in a library with his mask off, surrounded by hundreds of people without masks, I would say the exact same thing. It's been nine months, people. We know what we're allowed to do. Social distance, wear a mask, don't be indoors with people outside of your household to eat or do anything that requires your mask to be off or for prolonged periods of time. Whatever excuses he's given us about, I just went to take a photo with a friend. I was just supporting a friend. I wanted to give her a gift. I left after 30 minutes. I went in a different entrance. I didn't go with them to the other clubs. All of that stuff doesn't matter. And all it does is prove that he doesn't get it. When your responses and your excuses do not in any way change the fact that the behavior that you exhibited goes against protocol and is endangering to you and others, then you still don't get it. We're not after you because of strip clubs. We're not after you because we're always looking for something. We're after you because how do you not still get it? How can we be still having these conversations this far into this? And anyone who's defending this man, you're blowing my mind. Do you know how many people, let's forget for now, the hundreds of thousands of dead people. Because for whatever reason, when the number gets that high, a lot of people stop processing it. But let's put to the side the hundreds of thousands of dead people. And let's just talk about the sacrifices other people are making. Not going to the funerals for those people. Not getting to say goodbye or see those people before they died. Canceling weddings, losing their jobs, living in abusive households that they have no escape from, not being able to feed their families, their kids working, them working extra jobs, not leaving your house for months, depression, suicide. All of these things are a result of the pandemic that's been going on since March in our country. And you can't not go to the club the night before the first game of the season. I don't care how much you want to get traded. I don't care how much you think you need to mess things up and make things uncomfortable until you force the Rockets' hand. You do not leverage a pandemic to do so. You don't endanger yourself and your friends and your family and your teammates and your opponents and your coaches and break protocols to do so. Because guess what happens? And this is unrelated because you know Harden right now is not the cause for the spread with the Rockets. But this is such an untenable situation that there's another spread in the Rockets and the game was canceled tonight because they can't field a team. This is already such a difficult proposition to imagine how to have an indoor sport with, with no masks and helmets, with small rosters, at peak flu and COVID season as numbers are going up indoors. We're seeing how it's ravaging college basketball. I don't know how the NBA season is going to work without a bubble, but I sure as hell know it's not going to work at all if opening night James Harden 
is hanging out in a club a couple nights before. If opening night, the Rockets are getting haircuts in the same room, maskless, and are part of contact tracing and then can't show up to play. These are basic things, people. I don't know how we're still dealing with this. We got to take a break. Uh, this was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. We've got some sound from Adrian Mojarowski updating us on the cancellation of the game and what comes next. Uh, but Ramona Shelburne is going to uh, join us and give us the latest on exactly what James Harden is saying about all this and what it means for the team. It's coming up next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Christmas Eve, Eve. It's Sarah Spain. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Extra half hour tonight, if you're wondering why we're on early. Came on after that bowl game. And joining us now on the Shell Penzo performance line to give us the latest on this James Harden and Rocket story, it's Ramona Shelburne. Ramona, thanks for the time. Um, I saw you tweeting a bunch about Harden, you know, saying he just was taking a photo and he was there for 30 minutes and went in a different entrance and believed that he, you know, followed all the protocol. How is it possible, Ramona, that anyone in our country right now thinks that it's following any sort of protocol to be indoors without a mask with hundreds of other people? I know, Sarah. You know, and listen, I mean, this is interesting for me because, you know, I reported on the Lou Williams thing um, just a few months ago. I think we did a call after that. We did yeah. an interview after yeah. that one, too. And I was like, I thought that was a pretty loud and clear message. Um, look, there's a couple of things that you need to that we need to see with the, with the James Harden situation. OK, um, James has already had COVID. OK, he had it. Oh, you know, that was why he was late reporting to the bubble. Um, I don't know if that's officially been confirmed or reported, but I can confirm that. Okay. And so I think part of, you know, when you, when you ask the question, how is it that anyone thinks that's okay? I think maybe people who have had it already have a, a little, a slightly different except view. They don't okay. Because, I'm not saying that's right. Right. Except right? you can get but, it more than once. And the, the antibodies correct. only last a certain correct. amount of time. And I have a friend who got it correct. twice in the span of three and a half months. So it doesn't right. mean that he isn't able to get it again and spread it again. Right. And doesn't mean yeah. that he doesn't have and to so, play by the same rules as the rest of the league. Right. And I think that's what the big issue is. So here's where this is going to come down to. In his explanation to the league, okay, this is, all, this is what I can tell you he's told the league. A friend of his got promoted. I think it was he was trying to show support. He, he went to the part of the dinner that was just a – it was just like a dinner, and he was – he made arrangements to, and he, he thought he was following the protocols, which I read the protocols, which is you enter through a separate entrance, you sit by yourself. Now, none of the photos I show showed, showed him sitting by himself. I, you know, I don't know. Okay. But the, the, this is what he's told the league and that the, the video, which we've all seen and totally went viral, his claim is that this video has been edited that the, the pictures of him with the girl, you know, with his friend that he gave a present to um, is at a different location than where her and the, her party went to later, that he wasn't there for the, for whatever they did later on that night. Now the league's going to look into that. They have to decide whether or not that's true. I mean, is there evidence of that? Like, I think you can see in the background some of the colors in the wall are a little different. That's that's the kind of that's part of what this investigation is. And from what I understand, James wasn't informed that he was, quote unquote, unavailable for tonight before that release went out. So that was a surprise to him as well as the Rockets. Um, and the thing that's, that what everybody's wondering now is how does this situation, which is now becoming conflated with a completely different situation involving three Rockets players who have tested positive. Right. And that's why they had to postpone the game tonight. Um, 
that that that's all now become conflated. And I think that's what this that why this is such a tricky issue for the league, where if you have three players have tested positive, um, several more. I've, I've heard six were isolated, um, that there were six players isolated and then James being unavailable. Um, that makes it so they don't have the eight players and another player is injured. So if they don't have the minimum, now how long is this going to go on? Like, you know, how long do they have to isolate? Is it seven days? Because the Rockets have a few more games. So this isn't the only game that is in peril here in terms of being postponed. Um, and so I think this is the league's first challenge. You know, this is, you know, what we've seen in the NFL all year long. There's, there's one player, and then the next day you see there's two more players, and there's three more players. I mean, right. this is what the league protocols are there. It feels like it will be the first to. big challenge. Yeah, and to Izzy's point yeah. around the horn today, maybe it'll be helpful to get it out of the way this, this, this early. Yep. Other teams will take notice of, of how seriously they need to take this. Um, I'm wondering, though, and, and just a couple minutes left here, um, what does yeah. this do for their leverage? Because we've said all along that James Harden will actually help expedite the trade process if he's available and playing well and making himself a prized product for other teams to to seek out and to give high-priced draft picks and, and trade deals for. He's not helping yeah. himself in this way. Well, you know, I would have thought the same thing too, Sarah, but I got to be honest. I, I think talent in this league, especially when you're talking about a, a player of this of this talent level, I think it plays. I don't think it hurts his value as much as you think. Not think the value that other teams see of right? him, but the, the the idea that they'll think that the Rockets want to get rid of him faster because of all this, and so they won't offer as much because yeah. they think they can get away with it. I don't know if it does, honestly, just from what I'm hearing in terms of the trade negotiations. I think the teams that are interested in are interested in him because he's a top three player in the NBA, and they can score 50 points a night if they put him out there at the right You know, I mean, he's like, I think talent plays. Now, it was a different story when we were talking about Lou Williams. Good player, not James Harden. Right. Not a league MVP. So you don't think that teams are offering less for him, believing that the Rockets will accept because they're desperate? Nope. Okay. I, I think the offers are what the offers are. I think there's six teams, seven teams that are that are interested, that have made calls, and it's just kind of up to Houston yeah. when they make this choice. And, it seems um, like the right move you know, to keep him away from the team then, Ramona, because it's not it's not going to help <laughs> at all. Thanks so much for the time. We're running out of it. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. it. Have a good you night, Ramona. It. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, we'll get into some more NBA news coming up next here on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. And it's Spain and Fitz. No Fitz tonight. Solo Spain for two and a half hours before I get to take 11 days off, which will be much needed after all this. Lots of breaking news to get to today, including NFL news. A deal brokered between the WTFs and the NFL to get Haskins back in practice. That's an interesting one. We'll get into that. Um, and uh, and Juju Smith-Schuster, dancing or no dancing. But more NBA to get to here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. Sue Bird, James Worthy, Muliki Andrews, Field Yates, all those coming up later. And you can also be a part of the show. Be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football season is winding down, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper. Loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, where you can chime in on Spain and Fitz Nation. Uh, we're going to get in the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone, on this Rockets news. And Woj, as always, breaking all sorts of things down earlier, just before the show started. Here he is on the game being postponed tonight. The Rockets officials were in contact with the league office all day today as they were testing and retesting players in Houston, trying to get uh, to that number eight 
where they could play the game uh, tonight. But a combination of positive tests and inconclusive tests uh, put them in a position where, you know, they couldn't muster the eight tonight. And listen, this is something we may see around the league uh, with other teams throughout this year, now that the league is outside of the bubble. But, you know, as, as you said earlier, that, you know, that just a haircut at a player's apartment last night, an innocent enough scenario there, put several players in quarantine through contact tracing because they were with Kenyon Martin Jr., who this morning tested positive. He had also had a negative test, and so it was inconclusive, and he was waiting on more test results. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, they told the Thunder, hey, don't take the bus over to the arena. They're headed back to the airport uh, and headed home. So they are unable to play tonight, and as Ramona pointed out, it doesn't end there. There are games coming up in the next few days that could be affected, and uh, there, are, there are some sources saying this could be as bad as the Ravens outbreak. Now, again, this is a much smaller group of people, and this is something the NBA is going to have to deal with all season long. Tiny rosters. When you have a, a group of people and it spreads, that's half your team. Or in the case of the Rockets, enough to make the game not go on. Uh, here's more Woj earlier talking about uh, the Harden violation. Neither Harden nor the Rockets, Ramona Shelburne and I are told, uh, are clear what it means yet. In the league, uh, the league office, I'm told, is still working through what the next steps are going to be for Harden now that they have found him in violation. Um, certainly they heard Harden's side. He talked to league officials, uh, explained his side, believed that he was not in violation of protocols. Uh, but the league in, cancel, in postponing the game said that he was. And now, you know, I think what he's awaiting, waiting for, what the team is waiting for, will this mean just he's away from the team in quarantine? Is there a suspension looming? Uh, those are all options on the table for the league. But there's no question, this is a difficult start uh, to the Rockets season. And listen, first-year coach Steven Silas was hoping to make his debut tonight. Uh, not quite yet in Houston. Yeah, man, Silas, I can't even imagine the enormity of getting this job, getting this opportunity, and then being tasked not only with a superstar who wants out and the potential turnover of a roster, um, especially when you're taking over for a coach who had such a specific style and such a way of trying to deal with a Harden's playing style, but now add on to this this COVID mess. And listen, I'm not going to demonize the Rockets in a way that I wouldn't also demonize another team three months from now if the same things happen happens except to say that again i don't understand how it's possible this far into the pandemic that you're getting haircuts or other things wearing no masks indoors next to each other with strangers and other people i haven't had a single person in my house including my family members in months maybe to run in and go to the bathroom wearing a mask and then leave but i'm not hanging out with anyone so the idea that whether harden thinks the video was edited as ramona said and he wasn't right next to that area with the naked women in the club. doesn't matter. He's indoors, maskless, in public with other people. That's how this spreads. That's why we're where we're at. And so, unfortunately, what it does is it causes us to spend all our time uh, away from the escapism of actual games happening and instead focused on the logistics of having a season and having it work out. And last night, we saw some really great ball. We saw some really cool things. I, for one... Love it when we get to see a healthy Kevin Durant. He's been one of my favorite players to watch since back in college. And the league is better when Kevin Durant is great. And I think he's, I don't know if I'd call him a sleeper, because I'm certainly not the only one saying this. I think he could be an MVP candidate. If he's anywhere near the top three 
And we haven't seen him in as long as we have. And we are reminded this year of his greatness and how much fun he is to watch. He's got a real shot at it. So you look at the Nets and you say, okay, great first start for them because this is a team that needs to do on the court as much as possible to distract us from whatever happens off of it. Whatever Kyrie says on a podcast or what he and KD are arguing about, touches in the paint or anything like that. Like, we got to get the focus on the basketball. And it's just one game, which we always have to say in the NBA, especially regular season, but they looked good. They're going to be a problem. And it's also important for the Nets, I think, to be good early, to to, to dissuade anyone in that organization from wanting to go get Harden. And this is not me hating on Harden. He is a tremendous player. But I think what we saw from them last night of their top two superstars and then the depth beyond them, the way they could get people coming in off the bench and still doing damage, this is a team that can be great without having to get rid of that depth to go out and reach for Harden and bring him in, disrupt what is already a pretty fragile situation there. And there is a ton of respect between Kyrie and KD, which matters when you have two guys who are a little bit more fragile in terms of personality. So uh, I think that's a great start for the Nets. As for the Warriors, uh, you know, just one game. We'll see what happens. I think, obviously, a bright spot, uh, you know, to have a rookie playing so well, unfortunately. Uh, you know, James Wiseman having the most points by a Warriors player in his debut since 1989 is kind of overshadowed by him and Steph Curry being the only guys who showed up, really. Uh, maybe just need time to gel. Uh, but poor Steph Curry. That meme's going to be around all season, 100%. Sad Curry is the first meme of the NBA season, and we already got it. Um, on the other side of it, we got the Lakers and the Clippers. And beyond the Nets, the La- the Clippers are the other team where you could just say it's just one game, but they wanted to come out and make a statement. New coach, new team, new healthy Paul George nearly blew a lead. And what we saw them do before in those situations is shrink. And instead, they put their foot on the gas. Paul George was, as Tyrone Lue said, unstoppable. And they proved that they could give up that lead and still get the W. Now, the Lakers... All they really care about is getting a ring. So these regular season games, particularly early when they have such a quick turnaround from the bubble, aren't going to matter nearly as much to the Lakers as they do to the Clippers. But we still saw what it's going to look like with some of those offseason acquisitions. And now tonight, we have the excitement of looking at uh, the Bucks. 50% of their minutes from last year's roster gone. What do those new guys look like? What does Drew Holiday look like? Uh, and and are the Bucks going to be good enough to now contend with a Nets team that, if what we saw last night is any indication, is is potentially the favorite in the East? So I want to focus on that stuff, but unfortunately we will have to keep revisiting the story of the Rockets and whatever the latest is on that. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain solo tonight with you until 9 Eastern. Coming up, Malika Andrews is going to join to talk about what we saw from the Nets last night and a great start for them. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Fitz already started his vacation. I've got roughly an hour and 45 minutes till mine starts. We're brought to you by Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. And, uh, you know, this is a day full of tons of news. We thought it might be uh, a little bit more Christmassy on the eve of Christmas Eve. But there's a lot to get to, including a really hot start for the NBA last night in two games that actually happened, uh, which is better than I could say for tonight with that Rockets game being canceled or postponed, I should say. Um, And all eyes were on the Nets. Look, this is a team that even without all of the auxiliary storylines of flat earthers and paint touches and, uh, you know, we don't need a coach, we'd still be into. We want to see what Kyrie looks like coming off injury. And more than that, we want to see what Kevin Durant looks like coming off injury. 18 months or so since we've seen him play. And interesting to note that Kevin Durant was ready to play, and there were rumors that he might make a run for it in the bubble, which means it's been months since he was uh, ready to go. 
and you know probably raring to go after all that time. So what we saw last night, a really good sign for the new look Nets. And joining us now to give us some more insight into that, it's Malika Andrews, uh, ESPN NBA reporter. Malika, thanks for the time. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to, I guess, virtually be back. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so first of all, no bubble. So that's interesting for you. It's like you have to relearn yes. how to do the job you already were doing. Uh, but tell us, you've obviously <laughs> seen this team um, in preseason and maybe some practice, and you've been talking to them as they got ready for this for this season opener. What did you see last night that maybe surprised you? I don't know if it surprised me after watching them in the preseason, Sarah, but I was talking to a source earlier today, and I, I posed them this question, and, and it was, okay, at what point are there no more qualifiers? The Nets are just scary because, okay, they look dominant in the preseason against Boston, They look, but that was in the preseason. They look dominant in the preseason against uh, D.C. Okay, but Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal were not playing. They looked dominant against the Warriors in opening night. They didn't have Clay Thompson. But the point is, the through line is that Kevin Durant truly looks Steve Kerr said it best. You cannot tell. He could not tell the difference between pre-Achilles injury Kevin Durant and post-Achilles injury Kevin Durant. And Kevin is talking about every game being the stepping stone. But if he continues down the path that he is on, that he's set himself up to be on by having this incredibly long runway to come back from this Achilles injury, right, he is set to be up there with Dominique Wilkins as someone that can demystify and change the way we talk about what you can be when you come back from an Achilles injury. And that's what stood out to me last night. Yeah. If the league wants to be afraid, all they need to do is hear Steve Kerr talking about what he's seeing from Kevin Durant. And then also saying, (laughs) I coached a team like this for five or six years, i.e. these are the new warriors. Keep an eye out Mm -hmm. rest of the league. Um, Let's talk about the the coaching situation on the other side. So Steve Nash, uh, a little of a bumpy start, right? A guy with with no experience, but obviously a former two-time MVP. uh, And Kyrie and and KD sort of threw some shade early on into podcasting. We don't really need a coach. I've been told by sources that that actually really did get to Steve Nash. He did not appreciate that, and his feelings were hurt by the disrespect before they even got together to work out. Kyrie gave Steve Nash the game ball afterward. Is it safe to say that's all squashed, like totally good, no hard feelings, everything's over with that? Well, and and even more than just giving him the game ball, Sarah, Kyrie Irving was asked about Steve Nash and what he thought of Steve's coaching. And he said that Steve Nash demands respect and actually said that he felt he needed to walk back the comments that he made earlier on a podcast saying that everybody is the coach on any given day. He said that he (laughs) understands now that maybe that's something that he shouldn't have said and, and that Steve is, is deserved of respect. And so it seems that after, you know, Kyrie has, has said that, has said, you know what, my bad. And then on top of that has given him the game ball. It, that, that seems like it's water under the bridge. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain here on ESPN Radio, flying solo, talking to Malika Andrews, one of our ESPN NBA reporters, covers the Nets. going to be a long and fun season for you. Uh, mm. I'm curious if you feel like the way they played last night, if they keep playing like that, how much does the co- uh, the conversation and the focus about burner accounts and their personalities and podcast comments go away? Is is that really just something that happens when we're worried about the effect it has on their on-court performance? 
Well, go away is no. Oftentimes, (laughs) you know, those things, they still exist, right? But the gamble that the front office has been comfortable with taking is that so long as the on-court production is excellent, which it has been, then those two things can coexist, and they're going to be fine with that trade-off. That's what I've heard over and over and over again. They knew what they were signing on to potentially with this. But what I've also seen is that guys in the locker room that I'm talking to, when I'm talking to players that are surrounding Kyrie Irving, surrounding Kevin Durant on the Nets, they're saying that, Malika, you wouldn't believe what these guys are like in practice. They're fantastic. On the court, they've been great. In practice, they've been wonderful. For us, their leadership is excellent. And so there seems to be uh, some sort of a, a disconnect, right, between some of the things that we see besides that reporters get and the sides that their teammates get. Karis LeVert said that he gets texts from Kyrie Irving before and after good games and bad, just being like, hey, this is what you can fix. This is how you can do better. This is what I really liked. This is what we should be trying to do more of. And oftentimes that's not the same Kyrie that we see maybe getting on to an Instagram live saying that he wants to get seven post-ups a game. So, <laughs> so yeah, those two things can, they are hoping, continue to live in harmony so long as the practices and the games continue to go as well as they have been. Malika, there's a lot of conversation around James Harden and the possibility that the yeah. Nets would want to add him and have a true three-headed monster. First of all, let's say that did happen. How do you see that fit working? Well, first of all, uh, we just news coming just right this second. Uh, the Houston Rockets, uh, James Harden has been fined $50,000 for violating the league's health and safety protocols that just happened uh, a couple of minutes ago. That fine comes from uh, a, be, breaking the rule that prohibits players from attending indoor gatherings, which we know James Harden did and now uh, has caused that thunder Rockets game tonight to be postponed, but it seems right now that the Nets have moved on from that being something that has happened. Yes, uh, James Harden did have an interest, does have an interest in joining a contender. The Nets are a formidable contender in the East. There's something that's appealing about playing with his friends, about playing with his former teammate, about playing with his former head coach, remember, in Mike D'Antoni, who's now on the Nets bench. But from the people I've talked to, that there is no deal that is imminent or even close to being discussed as being future imminent. Like this, this is not something that I expect to be happening between Brooklyn and, and the Rockets. Malika, we're less than a minute left. If that happened, do you see that being a fit with those guys? I know they're friends, but uh, I'm, I, I don't know if I, if I see all those guys <laughs> wanting to share the ball. I could see there potentially being some issues, but again, from what I've heard, we're not even going to need to dissect that in in the coming days, weeks, and months, because it doesn't seem that it is something that's going to be on the table. But, you know, the philosophy for many teams is get as much talent as you can and work the rest out later. Oftentimes, teams nowadays with more than one star are the ones that we see going deep into the playoffs. But guess what? The Nets already have two and a couple of budding stars around them, like Harris LeBert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and you know DeAndre Jordan is formidable in his own right. Well, a great start for them and a great insight from you. Thanks so much, Malik. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Malika Andrews here on Spain and Fitz on the Shell Penzel Performance Line.
Good stuff. That's going to be a fun beat for her. Uh, never a dull moment, whether it's because they're a great, talented team or otherwise. Coming up next, we'll stay on the hard court with Sue Bird, the GOAT, next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. Joining me now on the Shell Penzo performance line to talk all things Seattle engagements and otherwise, it is the GOAT herself, Sue Bird. Sue, what's going on? Hi. Not much. How are you? Well, you know, other than hosting two and a half hours of radio by myself right before the holidays, <laughs> I'm good. I'm great. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on to hang out with me. Let's talk about what you've been doing for the last couple months since you won yet another title with the Storm. How do you celebrate a championship during a pandemic? Well, you know, apparently you turn 40, you get engaged. <laughs> Um, you know, the usual midlife crisis, <laughs> typical, <stuff>. typical celebrations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's been, I mean, I, it's, it's kind of awkward to say because, you know, the pandemic's been so hard, um, for myself for so many. And yet I did have this one like stretch, this one, one month stretch. That was pretty amazing. So yeah, I mean, you can um, just I can't say complain it. right now. You could just say you're living your best life. <laughs> great year. Everything's coming up. Sue Bird while everyone else is miserable at home. Um, no, so- <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> um, happy birthday. Happy engagement. I need to Thank know everything you. about Thank the you. engagement. All I know is one stinking picture. Uh, Megan's yeah. on a knee, Megan Rapino for those who have been living in a hole, which is most of us for the last nine months. Um, and there's water everywhere. Tell me more. <laughs> um, so Megan actually planned like a surprise 40th birthday vacation. Um, me and two of my closest friends growing up, we all have birthdays in October. So we'd always talked about doing something. And so Megan, while we were in the bubble, I had no idea up until like the very end, she did this full on, there was nine of us. We went to Antigua. Um, wow. it was amazing. Yeah, it was super nice. So that's where the picture kind of comes in. And, you know, for the actual proposal, it was totally impromptu. Megan didn't plan it. And um, the proof of that is the ring that I wear is actually just some random ring she had on at the time. R- Megan wears like a ton of rings, so it's not that surprising. <laughs> she had an extra one uh, to spare. But yeah, it was just totally random. Um, and we're really lucky that we had our friends with us and one of them snapped the pick. Yeah. And that's so kind of the, me- the story. Let me get the honest truth here. Were you like, mm-hmm. okay, so you didn't plan anything and you didn't get a ring and this is just like totally, you know, half-ass? Or were you like, <laughs> this is romantic and sweet that you were so overcome in the moment with love? Romantic and sweet. Obviously, oh, I know nice. Megan well enough. You know, at this point, I think everybody knows <laughs> Megan well enough. Yeah. She, um, yeah, she's pretty spontaneous, but also um, super, super thoughtful, super sweet. So I knew she had been thinking about it. She just didn't plan like that moment. In fact... By the time she kind of got down on one knee, I saw this look in her eyes because everyone's kind of around us joking, but I saw this look and I was like, oh, wait yeah. a minute, this is different. Yeah. And I oh, actually, we were out in the sun. Yeah. 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 And we were out in the sun and she had this bucket hat on. And so when I saw the look in her eye, I was like, I think you need to take that bucket hat off. Yeah. You can't. Like, this is a moment that, that you can't be wearing a bucket hat for. <laughs> and thank God or else uh, the picture would have been so ruined. Funny. I do do. It's in the eyes. It's in the vibes. I remember my husband proposed. We were on safari in Africa and we were just like chilling on the deck before of this like little area before we were going to meet our friends. And all of a sudden, like the energy changed. And I was like, oh, 
I know what's about to happen. Like he's just being <laughs> yeah, weird exactly. for no reason. Um, well, congratulations. Sue Bird is with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Shell Pencil performance line. I'm so glad you're inviting me too, because here's what happened. I bought a Marquesa <laughs> gown during the pandemic for no reason. I have nowhere to go. I have no nothing to wear it to. I just liked it. And I needed to buy something that would make me think that someday when this is all over, I'll get to dress up again. Perfect thing to wear to the so wedding. Ready. So thanks. Yeah, thanks Make for sure that. you get a bathing I've... suit too, because I'm pretty sure we're going to do it somewhere warm. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, wow, that's so great that we just confirmed uh, with the digital recording that I'll be at the wedding. That's so awesome. Uh, we were talking yesterday on the show about Adam Silver talking about NBA expansion. It doesn't sound imminent, but certainly something they're discussing, something he's open to. Everybody, of course, immediately says Seattle. They lost the Supersonics, not because they didn't have a great fan base, but because the owner wanted to head back to his home uh, home state. So uh, what does it mean? You're the representatives for basketball in Seattle what would it mean to get the Sonics back or any team um it would be incredible I, I and I feel like I am biased so I own that but at the same time like you know I've traveled the world I've been I've been to some cities and some places and there's something crazy about Seattle fans and that's a compliment there it's, it's like a it's a big enough city where things are happening but it's small enough where it feels like you know everybody and that's how the sports scene is and we're missing the NBA. Like we're missing that. It is a void. I, when the Sonics were here, like the electricity in key arena was palpable, just like the vibe in the community. In fact, I went to, um, when the Warriors came here two years ago for a preseason game, if anyone was in that arena in that moment, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Like it was, first of all, it was like, we stepped in a time machine. Everybody had their old school Sonic stuff out. It was just, these people, like the people who live in Seattle, they deserve this. Because to your point earlier, it got taken from them. It wasn't that they weren't doing, you know, a great job. It got taken from them. And I think we all have so many great memories of those classic Sonics teams. The colors, the Mm -hmm. logo, the team, the players, like there were so many personalities. So it felt strange to to miss that. And, And the fact that it's been a while now and we still have such strong passions about it, even those outside of Seattle, I think speaks to... They just you need the you need the NBA in Seattle. Sue Bird, uh, star of the WNBA champion Seattle Storm, is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about the relationship between a lot of NBA and WNBA players is that whole game respects game thing, game recognizes mm-hmm. game. Like, and and I think it probably would also even elevate your team. I, you guys already have great crowds there, great support, but the sort of symbiotic relationship between the two teams of going to their games and vice versa. I, it, you probably miss that a bit playing without a team there. Yeah, I really do. Um, some of my best memories are um, hanging out with the players, getting to know them. Uh, you know, back then I was probably the same age as them. Now it might be different, but that's neither here nor there. Um, just hanging out <laughs> with them, getting to know them. Uh, we shared a practice facility. So to be honest, like I would say my top two memories is, um, we would get to, because it was in the summertime, because our, our season's in the summer, we got to watch the Sonics watch, uh, work out all their, like, draft hopefuls. So nice. it was just, like, all these guys that you had watched in college that would come through and work out. And we had, like, a front row seat to it because we shared that prize facility. And then the other one was having Ray Allen here. Was um, I mean, having yeah. Gary here was amazing. I wasn't here in the Kemp years, but Gary was, was, was awesome. Um, anytime he dropped a dime, like, any assist he had, the announcer would be like, a little love from the gloves. And I was like, <laughs> that's gold right there. That is gold. But then when Ray got here, 
it was just cool to have another UConn person. Um, and I remember after we won, or maybe we made the playoffs. No, I think it was after we won. He got us all like gifts. Um, I forget what it was, but he got us all like a thoughtful gift to congratulate us. So it was just That's like great. you said, it was just a really cool relationship that, that I missed. So you did mention that you turned 40. Uh, I think anyone who turned 40 during the pandemic is still 39 until they can celebrate for real. I don't care if you went to Antigua or anything else. Like if you didn't get to have a giant <laughs> rager, just have it next year and say you're 40 then. Wikipedia is the only place anyone's going to know the difference. Um, do you feel different? And are you having to spend more money, more time uh, to just feel like you're ready to go? Um, no, I don't feel different. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that says about me. I feel like, to be honest, sometimes I feel like I'm still in my 20s. Um, but yeah, I don't really feel different, which is, I think, for, for an athlete, a, a great thing. You know, the best part about where we are now in the world of athletics is that there's a lot of athletes out there changing the conversation about age, you know, and yeah. I feel like I'm one of them. Diana Taurasi is one of them. And then, of course, LeBron, Tom Brady, like we're changing it. And you can now play into your 40s, and that's normal. So that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of the cool part. It actually motivates me to, to get, you know, on the Peloton or in the pool or whatever the case may be. Okay, well, I'm ending on that because I have to say that anytime anyone mentions the R word and you, and by that, of course, I mean retire, I say, you're, she's not allowed to. I'm so sorry. Uh, we, have for, <laughs> we have forbidden her from ever doing that until we're, we're good and ready, and we are not ready at all, especially not when you're coming off yet another championship run. Sue, thanks for hanging out with me. You got big plans for the holidays? Yeah, no problem. No, uh, Megan and I Good. are in Seattle right now. And I, <laughs> yeah, my, I know. I'm like, we're lucky because <laughs> like, we don't have What the... if you were like, yeah, we have this huge party, just a couple hundred people. <laughs> we're James having a Harden small gathering of 25 people. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're lucky. Our families aren't out here. So we have no pressure. We're just going to be chilling. <laughs> so it's kind of nice. Awesome. Well, I hope you get all the, uh, you know, monetary and or material gifts that you're looking for in addition to of course all the other good stuff like health and love and everything else <laughs> thank, uh, you. Sue, thank you for hanging out yeah no problem good luck with the next uh two hours yeah. and 15 thank minutes you. yeah appreciate it yeah <laughs> the great sue bird with us here on spain and fitz god i love the engagement story and I love that she could feel it. I swear, I looked over at my husband. I was like, oh, this is about to happen. I could just tell. I'm like looking at his face. Uh, coming up, we're going to get into the WTFs. Of course, that's what I've been calling the Washington football team for months. But in the last couple of days, they're really living up to that nickname. It's coming up next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Fitz is out enjoying his holidays. I think he got another, uh, adopted another dog today. He's had a couple um, passed recently. So shout out to the new member of the Fitz family. Any dog that goes to that household is destined for uh, being completely spoiled, but also wearing a lot of clothes. So my thoughts and prayers are with that dog and all the outfits they're going to wear. And that's coming from someone who absolutely wore matching pajamas with her dogs for her Christmas card this year. Uh, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit me up at Sarah Spain or at Spain and Fitz to give your thoughts on anything like how awesome Sue Bird is and how great it is that she's never going to retire and whether you think I should wear the green gown that I bought to her wedding or something else. Mix it up. We can talk about it later. Um, I want to get into some football stuff because while we're dealing with the Rockets game being postponed and James Harden being fined 50000 for violating protocols and other members of the Rockets testing positive, we have a concurrent situation in the NFL that's kind of boggling the mind. We have watched the NFL try to deal with various COVID spreads throughout the league all season long. And 
the difference in how they've handled one team versus another is always about whether the spread is contained. So there's, you know, there's a test, a positive test. They have to figure out contact tracing. They have to figure out who has to sit for a certain number of time until enough negative tests have been uh, met. And and in this case, with uh, with Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team, he hasn't tested positive. In fact, he's gotten negative tests, but we know that he violated COVID protocols. And for a second time, earlier in the season, he had a family friend to the hotel who was not approved. He got fined for that, um, and now he's in the starting spot with Alex Smith injured. Uh, nobody else to go, in theory, should be stepping up in this moment and instead is either at a strip club or, according to him, just ordering strippers to come to a room. Either way, an indoor room, no masks, yada, yada, the same thing I've been talking about all night. I don't know how we're here nine months later. But he was back at practice today due to a quote-unquote deal that the team made with him and apparently was also made with the league. And here's what Haskins had to say to his teammates, who, by the way, also found out today that he was stripped of his cap- captaincy and fired for this. Fine. addressed uh, my situation with the pictures regarding me and my girlfriend at a birthday party. Um, I want to reiterate that my actions following the game on Sunday were immature and unacceptable. Uh, put my teammates, coaches, and staff members at risk and let the fans of this organization down. I take full responsibility and accountability for that. Um, being a quarterback in this league comes with great responsibility and leadership, and I failed to live up to those standards of my actions. I fully understand the mistakes that I made and the circumstances that come with it, and I'm okay with that because I deserve it. Um, Today, I addressed my teammates and coaches at practice and apologized for the distractions that I have caused. I will learn from this mistake and do whatever I can in my power to help this team during this push for this playoff run. I'm grateful for Coach Rivera being straightforward with me and giving me another chance. I accept the consequences for my actions and decisions to take away my captaincy. It's tough to listen to because he sounds emotional. He sounds genuine. And you do want to see a guy with his kind of talent give himself a fair shot at success. This is a guy who at the collegiate level earned a super high draft pick, earned being number 15 with his play. 50 touchdowns at Ohio State uh, when he was starting there. A finalist for a number of awards, including the Heisman. This was a very highly touted guy. And he got to Washington and it didn't seem like it was working out. And maybe people thought Ron Rivera was, you know, moving moving too fast on pulling him from the starting position, on moving him down to the third spot in the quarterback depth chart. But now that we're seeing his behavior in this moment, when due to injuries and otherwise, he's thrust back into a leadership position, you have to think that they knew what was going on. And And it's hard to imagine Haskins being on the Washington football team next year, and it's hard to imagine – other teams really wanting to give him a shot. It's not to say he won't find a job somewhere, but he's lost so much capital this season with a number of things, being demoted to third on the depth chart, the issue with the guest at the hotel, and now this. And anyone who's making excuses for this, I just want to say again, we are all making major sacrifices. And the fact that we don't have body bags on the news and on social media every day, the fact that we don't have visuals from inside completely packed ICUs, hospitals overrun with COVID patients and unable to treat people who are dying of other things that otherwise they would survive if the hospital had room for them and could treat them. 
The fact that we're not seeing those visuals makes it really easy to not take as seriously as we should what's going on in our country. So when you say he's allowed to want to celebrate his birthday or he's allowed to, you know, let him have some fun. Guys like strip clubs. It's not about the strip club. It's not about you need to do football every second of every day. It's about, again, we're nine months in. How do you not know? to wear a mask and socially distance and that you can't break protocol and that your life for the rest of this season, which is not that much longer, needs to be about preventing yourself and others from getting infected and setting an example. So now he's back at practice today, which all of us are scratching our heads about because in theory, he hasn't gone through enough of the tests and protocols to prove that he's not infected and incubating right now a virus that he could spread to the team. So Ron Rivera today, of course, had to address how do we have Haskins back in practice? Immediately we contacted Dwayne. He was truthful and upfront about what he had did, and we immediately brought him in for rapid testing and contacted the NFL. We've been working with the NFL the past two days, and they have been assisting us every step of the way. Although we are extremely disappointed in the decision that Dwayne made, I was glad that he had told the truth and was upfront about the entire situation. He gave a very genuine apology, and we had a very straightforward discussion. During that talk, I informed Dwayne that he will no longer be a team captain. He also addressed the team today and took accountability for his actions and apologized to everyone in person. Dwayne knows that what is expected of him this week. Dwayne was disciplined, but as far as the punishment goes, we are going to keep that in-house. We have a plan for Dwayne to participate in some capacity this week that has been approved by the league. Yeah, so that's Ron Rivera, by the way, who has been fighting cancer during a pandemic while leading this team to success that most of us didn't see coming, making excuses, or at least, I guess, offering up the excuses given by a player who doesn't seem to worry much about the danger he's putting him in uh, or the danger he's putting his teammates in to not be able to play, to be affected in terms of roster availability as they continue to fight for the division. And I just want to point out, yesterday we had Liz Clark on from the Washington Post, and we talked to her about the latest allegations uh, that came out about a payment that this team uh, gave to a former employee after she accused uh, Dan Snyder of, of sexual misconduct. I'm not highlighting the Haskins story more than that. We got into it yesterday. And also the Haskins story relates to his availability for this weekend and the X's and O's of a game of a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. That doesn't make it more important. It means it's something that we're talking about in relation to the game itself. That Dan Snyder story is not going away. And I don't think anybody who's talking about Haskins is necessarily prioritizing his mistake over the long-term toxic culture that has been fostered by Dan Snyder, including his individual actions. It's merely that one affects today, right now, and one is a continuing story that may result in him losing this team. Either way, the WTFs uh, continuing to provide news daily. Coming up, Big James. The Clippers spoil the Lakers' ring night. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Happy Festivus, everybody. Hope you had some meatloaf, took a twirl around the aluminum pole, aired some grievances, getting ready for the feats of strength. It's the eve of Christmas Eve, too, if that's what you celebrate. You know, I don't want to leave you out, Christmas celebrators. Hanukkah happened, Kwanzaa, whatever, you know, all those things. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you. Fitz is off. It's here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter line at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz to join Spain and Fitz Nation 
And last night we had a surprisingly weird Tuesday night in December NBA season opener. Some really cool stuff in the Lakers-Clippers game in terms of the Lakers getting their rings and the family members coming on screen. Love that. I think that's something we could use even when family members are in the crowd. It's still fun to see them put together those videos. Clippers get the win and... I think, you know, there's absolutely times in the NBA where a regular season game can mean a whole lot more to one team than another. And in that case, I think the Clippers wanted to start out strong with the new head coach, wanted to bounce back from a terrible showing at the uh, end of the stretch there in the bubble. Paul George feeling strong and healthy, um, both mentally and physically, coming into this season. And, uh, you know, remind everybody that they were a team that a lot of people had winning it all last year before they dissolved in the bubble. The Lakers, on the other hand, already looking ahead I would imagine to later in the season and there will be a lot of strategy around how they use their stars this year knowing that they had a quick turnaround from their bubble season and also knowing the age of of LeBron James I think LeBron could absolutely be uh, another MVP candidate I talked about Kevin Durant earlier it's been so long since we saw him do what he does that as long as he's top two or three in the league and putting together great games, and that and the Nets are doing well. I think Kevin Durant has a real good shot at it. I don't see Giannis winning it for a third year in a row. We see way too often in the NBA the idea of it being, quote-unquote, somebody's turn. So it was odd enough, almost, that Giannis won it two years in a row, except to say that, obviously, the Bucks' success and his success individually uh, made him a good candidate, and, and the league decided he was der- deserving. I don't see it happening three times, though. I see LeBron James, if he doesn't miss too much time, to, you know, DNPs and rest, uh, having a really good shot at if it ha- if he has a great year. Particularly because people voting might say this is one of our last chances to give it to him. Uh, this was a guy who led the league in assists last season after all those years, finding ways to change and adjust his game, finding ways to work with Anthony Davis. And all they did in the offseason was make themselves stronger. Om Young Masuk was on with us last night and then, of course, uh, went and, and watched that Lakers-Clippers game and afterward talked about how just – Keeping him healthy and entering the playoffs with LeBron feeling good is their number one goal. I certainly talked to someone on the Lakers about a month ago who basically said when they found out that the season was starting up again in December, hey, you know, don't worry about what our seed is going to be. We'll be fine. Um, We just got to basically make sure our two big guns are going to be okay and they're going to be ready come playoff time. So I don't think the Lakers will ever admit that, but I do think that has to be in their mind of, listen, this is an unprecedented turnaround we got to make sure that LeBron James is going to be healthy, and so is Anthony Davis. And tonight, I think both guys got a little banged up at times. You know, I, I saw LeBron and I saw AD look a little hobbled um, a couple times. So, you know, look, the biggest thing for them is just making sure that those two guys are healthy for the, the postseason run. And obviously, that's a lot of pressure and a lot of work for the, the coaches and the staff there to figure out what's the perfect balance to get them ready with the roster that they have, the new additions, to get them prepared against some of the toughest opponents they're going to face where they have enough matchups against those good teams to feel like they know how to how to strategize. And then when do you rest them? Um, as much as we keep harping on this, LeBron James has beat back father time for a long time, but that doesn't mean that there isn't still an opportunity for things to start to, to show a decline, especially considering that the rhythm of a regular season was removed because of this pandemic, right? And in some ways, he got a ton of rest in the middle of last season before the bubble that might have been really helpful to him. But now we see a 71 or so day uh, gap between when they won their championship and lifted that trophy and now, which is much shorter than the average offseason. 
So that rhythm change for a guy who spends as much money and as much time and as much effort on his body as LeBron does is certainly something to keep an eye on. We've noticed it as people covering the games, right? We, we get used to the rhythms of, oh, it's this time of year, which means the Masters or Kentucky Derby or NBA starting or baseball and everything's been thrown into the mix uh, this year. And uh, so LeBron uh, spoke last night about what it feels like after years and years of that same rhythm to have such a quick turnaround. It's not the fact that it's starting over. It's the fact that it's here already. You know, I've always had a routine of how I prepare going into a season after a finals run or after a playoff run, knowing the amount of time that I kind of have for my body, for my mind, you know, for the team that we're going to be. And it was just so much uncertainty of when we're going to start the season, how we're going to start the season. Is it going to be December? Is it going to be early December? Is it going to be Christmas? Is it going to be January? Is it going to be all these other things? And then boom. December 1st training camp, first game of the season is happening on the 20, on the 22nd. So it was just a lot. Um, I can't even sit here and lie to you. It was just, it was too much to kind of grasp. Um, so, uh, but we're in it now. Like I said, I'm happy today is, you know, it's, it's, it's over with and uh, we can focus on the season, but it's just a lot. It's a lot to process. It is a lot to process for, for all of us too, as we're kind of watching and trying to rejigger our expectations for a season that's shorter with fewer games and for a season that's starting around Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, a really incredible slate of games on ESPN and ABC on Friday, Christmas Day. Pelicans at Heat, Warriors at Bucks, Nets at Celtics, Mavs at Lakers, and Clippers at Nuggets. That's all on Christmas Day. Uh, and tonight already, I mean, looking at the NBA schedule, number of games underway. A lot of tight games right now. Wizards up one at the half over the Sixers. Magic leading the Heat by just a couple points at the half. Uh, Cavs and Hornets, a little bit more of a gap there as the Cavs are leading 65-44. And then the Knicks and Pacers within two points of each other uh, late in the second quarter. Um, I'm also especially interested in watching this Bucks team. They're taking on the Celtics tonight. It's uh, early in the second there with the Bucks up 40-33. to Because, like I said before, 50% of that Bucks roster has turned over. And seeing what they look like on a short offseason, which is so important, right? It's not just that they went out and got Drew Holiday and made some changes and they have that, that half of their roster minutes accounted for by new players this year, but also that they didn't have a regular offseason to get to know each other as players or as people. So if there is a slow start for the Bucks, I'm going to look at that continuity factor and I'm going to presume that there's something there. I also think we're keeping an eye on Coach Budenholzer. This is a guy who's had a ton of talent under him, and it has not translated into postseason wins. How much pressure is there on him for this to be the last chance that he has to get it right and make good on Giannis? A little less pressure on him because Giannis did sign that Supermax to stick around. They don't want to waste any years. And we know now more than ever with James Harden and Anthony Davis and other players that you can sign that deal. It doesn't mean you're going to be there for the duration of it. So if they don't keep him happy and if they don't have success in the postseason, no guarantees anymore about that. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz is off tonight. You got solo Spain until 9 Eastern here. Um, uh, and, and, you know, speaking of other teams to keep an eye on that have a window closing, it could be the Sixers, right? This is a team that, can you know, continues to try to build off of what was a very lengthy process but hasn't had enough to show for it considering the talent that they've drafted and had. And very soon, it's going to be undeniable that a team with a core that has Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons isn't going to cut it. We need a lot of progress from Simmons with his jumper. We need a lot of progress from those guys in terms of putting it together and being true contending team. 
uh, sooner rather than later. And it's an interesting time for Doc Rivers to take on a brand new job, a veteran coach who earns a ton of uh, of, of of leeway and patience usually, but entering a team that might be in the last year before they decide to really make some drastic changes. That's a very interesting dichotomy there of a guy in his first year with a team that really needs to turn things around pretty quick. A lot of different storylines in the NBA, tons of things uh, to talk about as as we get underway last night and tonight with a lot of teams playing their first games. And again, that Christmas slate on Friday. Uh, usually we spend most of the NBA season early on looking ahead to the Christmas Day games. Uh, we get them in like two days uh, because that's that's 2020. It's Spain and Fit, Sarah Spain. We're going to get back to the NFL, um, Haskins and Harden and these sort of mirrored stories of player accountability going on in both leagues coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Back to Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. But I've had a lot of friends coming through. And you guys have chimed in on Spain and Fitz Nation, including some of you on today being Festivus, of course, December 23rd, Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, hitting us up on Spain and Fitz Nation was uh, at... Uh, Trader PJ, who said there really needs to be a Festivus Bowl, no overtime, ties decided by feats of strength. He wrote us that on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. I agree with that, uh, especially the feats of strength to cap it off, um, uh, and, and especially uh, the idea of, of donating to the Human Fund, which at Denim Dude 501 hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed uh, with some news and said, the Vandalay Industries Festivus Bowl, each touchdown a donation made in your name to the Human Fund. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, just Google Festivus or watch Seinfeld. Uh, joining me now on the Shell Penzel Performance Line, NBA legend and Hall of Famer, James Worthy. James, thanks for the time. My pleasure. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to get fired up about NBA starting at this weird time in the middle of December. And last night certainly helped a lot of pomp and circumstance around the Lakers rings as they kick things off with the Clippers. Uh, what did you see last night? And, and were you at, at all affected by the fact that the Lakers couldn't pull out the W in game one? Yeah, so weird. Uh, you know, 71 days after winning the championship uh, out of the bubble, uh, just a, a very uncharacteristic season and then try to turn around and play the Clippers uh, on opening night for a ring ceremony. Uh, my experience has been ring ceremonies don't usually go that well. Right. It's kind of like the sec- <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the second half of of a celebration. I mean, you win the game, um, you know, they won it in the bubble and then they 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 celebrate, they have a couple of months off and they come back and you actually get the ring. Uh so I, I didn't take too much away from, uh, you know, the, the season opener. It kind of reminded me of, of last year's season opener when the Clippers kind of dominated the Lakers. However, it, this was different circumstances coming out of the bubble. Uh, you know, with, with the additions the Lakers made, um, the four new players, it might take a little time to implement them into, uh, you know, the program and, you know, get them connected with the defense and, you know, the rotations, Coach Vogel has a difficult problem. He's got a lot of scenarios he could use. Clippers, on the other hand, they're, uh, you know, they have a new attitude. Uh, they're trying to create better chemistry than they had last year. Uh, they lose Montrose, but they bring in Ibaka. But it's only game one uh, of, of, the, of the new season. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't take a lot out, away from that game. 
James Worthy with us here on Spain and Fitz. Yeah, I'm sure the mm-hmm. Lakers would be fine trading those regular season L's to the Clippers as long as they keep taking them in the postseason. Uh, you know, James, you were just talking about how weird it must be for players to have to adjust to a brand new rhythm after years of knowing when and 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 how they're going to be playing. You spent 12 seasons in the NBA. Can you take us through what it must be like for players to have a 71-day offseason after the bubble, starting a season in December, just the rhythm and how it might affect their start. It, it definitely affects you. I mean, uh, you know, mentally, uh, you know, with no fans and really no family at the beginning, and then being, you know, contained in one area, that 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 was difficult. And my hat's off to the commissioner, and the players, uh, it started out a little rough, but it got kind of exciting. The games were intense, and the virtual fans came into play. And I think on television, it was, uh, it was, it was doable. But uh, you know, to to turn around uh, for particularly the Miami and, um, and 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 the Lakers to 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 turn it around after seventy one days. I mean, usually it takes a while for your body and your mind to tone down, you usually, you know, have an extension, extensive, you know, vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the, this is the challenge that has been put before them. Um, and this is their fraternity. They're protecting and trying to keep it going. And, uh, you know, so it's difficult and I think it affects, you know, how well you get in shape. Uh, obviously injuries come into play. Um, and just, you know, the, um, familiar territory of uh you know your traveling schedule you know now they're they're staying on the the east coast longer and teams that are traveling west are going to be staying out here longer and it's just it's just it's you know our our whole lives are changing and sports is just you know a a part of it it. but i I commend the guys for, for hanging in there Hall of Famer James Worthy with us here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. James, you spent all 12 years with the Lakers. LeBron James gets a title in just his second year with the team. He's added to sort of this this legacy of all-time greats. Do you notice or, or consider it any different when players uh, win titles in a couple places? Does it feel as much like LeBron is a part of Lakers lore? Yeah, it does. You know, uh, you know, anytime you win a championship, <laughs> you, you're considered, you know, a true Laker. You don't win a championship, then it, it might be debatable, uh, depending on how long you're, you're, you stay. Uh, but LeBron, to me, if, if you think about it, you know, getting to the finals, you know, 10 times, he had the makeup of a Laker, a winner, someone who gets to the finals multiple times in a decade. Uh, someone who wins and, you know, uh, MVP. So when he came here, he had that, that, that makeup already. And I think he took on Kobe's uh, legacy and, you know, losing Kobe meant a lot uh, for him to go forward and, and, and bring this franchise, you know, back to where they need to be. And that's the 17 championship. Did it at Miami, came back and did it in Cleveland. And uh, fortunately, he's able to do it here in Los Angeles. James Worthy with us here. James, last night we saw the debut of the new-look Nets. Lots of talk about off the court, but on the court, they look like they're going to be trouble. Too early to say that we favored them over the uh, over the Bucks in the East? No, it's not too early. You know, uh, <laughs> even, before, even, even before a game was played, 
the combination, you know, of, of Durant and Kyrie Irving and, you know, Steve Nash, you know, uh, a very innovative first-time coach, uh, they're, they're going to make some noise. And you really, you know, with Milwaukee exiting like they, they did last year, um, that's really going to give Brooklyn a lot of incentive. So it's going to be, you know, interesting in the East. A lot of people said, you know, all the talents in the West. But the East is, you know, it's going to be exciting over there with Milwaukee and Boston. You know, Toronto still in the mix. Be interesting. Where do you think James Harden's going to be by uh, maybe after the trade deadline or halfway through the year? I don't know, man. He's got he's <laughs> do a lot of money. He's do a lot, a lot of, of cash, man. It's mm. gonna be it's gonna be hard to move that, man, unless you're getting a lot back from it. So, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I remember. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if AD's situation was similar when he was in New Orleans. But, you know, he tried to play through it until they didn't play him anymore. But I gotta, you know, I gotta think if he's not happy there, he, you know, they they're gonna try to make a move. So. Hopefully, you know, we'll see by 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 February, you know, maybe we'll, by January, maybe even sooner. Maybe but even I sooner. But I just don't see it happening right now. That's a yeah. lot of cash in there. A lot of cash and a very unique style of play. So not, I mean, a superstar, but to, to make it fit, it's going to be interesting. James, thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the games tonight and, and, and the rest of the slate. Happy holidays. Yeah, watching Milwaukee and Boston right now. Excellent. Awesome. James Worthy with us here. The great James Worthy here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio has you covered for bowl game action, too. Tune in tomorrow for the New Mexico Bowl presented by Merrill. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Let's turn to the gridiron, the NFL, where Field Yates will update us on the WTFs. That's what I call them. That's right. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Let's head out to the Shell Penzel Performance Line. We're joining us now on the eve of Christmas Eve, and thank you for giving me some time right before the holidays, Field. It's Field Yates. Field, what the heck is going on with the WTFs? How do you deal your way into allowing a player to get back to practice and be a part of the team with all the COVID protocols we've seen the whole rest of the season? Yeah, it was interesting. And Initial reporting today seemed to make it suggest that it was a deal struck between Dwayne Haskins and the team, right? It was later clarified, and subsequently, like very quickly, that it was the league and the team and the player had worked it out so that he was safely allowed back into practice today. And, Sarah, this feels like the basically it's circumstances, right? I mean, um, I, I'm sure you and I know, but I, I would imagine most people don't know who the Washington football team would turn to if not Dwayne Haskins and if Alex Smith's unavailable this weekend because of that calf injury. But, like, we're talking about Steven Montez and Taylor Heineke, right? Like, I'm not saying that the Washington football team um, – only made this work because of their depth chart, but certainly it's a part of the consideration, right? So you right, have but to find a way to, the team to make it work. The same yeah. way it was not up to the Broncos to decide whether they wanted to properly apply the rules. They did because they that were required true. to, and they had to start someone who was not a quarterback or on their active roster because of this. I went to great pains to explain to fans why the NFL was not being unfair in the way that they handled those two situations between the Broncos and the Ravens differently because one was about contact tracing and stopping the spread, and one was about a contained spread that just happened to affect one position. This, to me, feels like we've suddenly changed the rules late in the season yeah well i think that probably the biggest difference is that right now right now at least i mean i mean obviously because we are now uh, on to wednesday is that dwayne haskins has has tested negative each day uh since he showed up 
uh, at a strip club on Sunday night. So at least we know right. that three days into the you know, potential five-day incubation period, he has continued to test negative. Now, this story takes right. on a whole new layer. The root of the story layer. is not a positive test. The root is a violation of protocol, which is different, you're right, versus the root cause yeah. and start of all of this being that they know that someone was infected. And by the way, Sarah, like the root of this is that, and but like the, the tentacles extend probably, I, I think, push comes to shove, this story will be, not that COVID is not incredibly important and obviously continues to rage throughout our country, but I think eventually this would be more of a sort of a quarterback commitment story, right? The idea that like mm-hmm. a player drafted 15th overall a year ago, which, you know, ostensibly makes you the franchise quarterback, is out in a strip club. Like, and, and I get it, like it's, I'm not, it's not, it's not that part that like, you know, guys can do what they choose, right? It's this not their, the strip are, club. This is their it's personal out life. anywhere. The strip club is more salacious yeah, out, and, saying, and seems more superfluous, yeah, but, but it doesn't matter what building sure. you're in as long as you're in a building with no mask during a pandemic violating right. protocol. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. You are you are highlighting all the points that I wanted to make. Is that like, hey, you know, <laughs> like the quarterback is leader of the team, right? And like often we say like, you know, as the quarterback goes, so goes the rest of the team. Like what kind of, of, of a, an example is Dwayne Haskins setting? Which, by the way, it's like it's like doubly confusing, Sarah, because he was just given new life, right? Like, he mm. was a third-string quarterback for like six weeks in Washington, like not even getting dressed on game days. Like, he was watching his team's games from a, bo- a press box, basically, for six weeks. So, I mean, there are a lot of layers to why this is fascinating and interesting and disappointing, candidly, uh, but not, not the least of which is that, you know, ultimately there should be – you know, uh, there is very little margin for error right now for NFL players, and Dwayne Haskins put that to the test. Field Yates with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio. Um, and, and you remember the great and very smart Dan Orlovsky rant back when that went down with the Broncos was to say, later on in life, when you say I didn't have a chance, I never got my shot. He did have a chance when he first got drafted, but he had a chance to redeem himself, to make himself appealing to other teams if it wasn't going to be here. And not only that, but they don't have any other choices. So he gets fined and stripped of his captainship, but still has to go out and lead the team. Talk to me about how his teammates might be feeling, knowing that they don't have any other choices and now have to follow a guy that's made very clear that football's not the priority. Yeah, so you know we talk about like you know things happening in spite of, not because of. It almost feels like if the Washington football team wins on Sunday, like if you had to imagine the scenarios, the more likely scenarios involve the team winning – in spite of Dwayne Haskins, not because of Dwayne Haskins, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, separate and apart from the uh, maturity issues, he has you know, not been a great player on the field. That much we know. I mean, they were, as we know, and, uh, any any NFL team and any sports team in general has a certain tolerance for a player with massive talent, right? Um, it's it's when a guy is no longer is not talented and also you know does not act accordingly that he gets benched um, or is you know relegated to basically a reserve uh, occasional spot duty player. So I, I would be surprised if it's something that the, the players acknowledge much publicly. But I think there are probably some veterans on that team that understand the, the, the circumstances they're dealing with, right? And, you know, you've got guys that have been around the NFL for a long time on that roster, whether it's Thomas Davis, for example, the inside linebackers, probably saying to themselves, like, come on, man. Like, you know, we're so close to achieving something that even if the NFC East is in a lot of cases the butt end of the joke, there are players who go almost their entire NFL career, if not their entire NFL career, without ever making the playoffs, right? Like, ask Brandon Marshall, a longtime great right. wide receiver, what he would do to play in the NFL, in the playoffs just once, right? So I understand, like, even if you sort of, you know, back your way into the playoffs with a 7-9 and nine record, like, it's still special. And it's especially special given 
the circumstances with their head coach, too, with Ron Rivera and overcoming so much and fighting cancer throughout this year. So I'd imagine there are players, even if they ever say it, they're disappointed. Such a weird combination of great stories like Alex Smith and Ron Rivera, coupled with a completely toxic work culture and Dan Snyder and people trying to force him out. And then this. It's so wild, Field. Field Yates with us, talking NFL on Spain and Fitz. Uh, Juju seemed very enthusiastic about continuing to dance, regardless of how others viewed it. And we know he's a fun guy, dressed as himself for Halloween once in full uniform, walking around. And I kind of thought, oh, the logo thing's overblown. But it doesn't go over so well when you're losing. Is this matter at all? Is this even a story? Is this something that we need to be spending our time on field? No, I, I think it's not. And here's the reason why. It's like this stuff happens all the time, right? Like Ezekiel Elliott, like celebrating his touchdowns with the feed me and jumping into the Salvation <laughs> Army bucket. Those are all fun and, and cool when, you know, the Cowboys are rolling and Zeke is rushing for 1,500 yards a year and scoring 10 touchdowns. But then when, you know, the team is whatever they are now, four, eight, and one, or whatever they're specific, I think four, nine, and one, maybe five, eight, and one. Not very good is my point. Um, and, and your team is struggling. And then you get down on guys when they do things like, sh- you know, showboat when they're either on a bad team or they're, you know, score a touchdown in the fourth quarter when down by 21 points. It doesn't matter though, Sarah. Like, I think probably Juju is doing this, is, is going to stop the dancing, not because of anything related to the locker room, but just to have to avoid the questions being asked by the media to him right. and his teammates, Don't right? Be because ultimately, yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a distraction for others more so than it probably is himself, right? And it, it, there's always that fine line, like we want to applaud athletes for being themselves, and we want to appreciate their honesty and their candor. And then sometimes when it crosses a line that some people in the court of public opinion don't like, we end up you know, sort of decrying the merits of being their true, authentic selves. I don't think it matters, but, you know, this, this story is not a story if they're 11-3 and three right now, but they, like, were 7-3 and three at one point. It's because right, they've exactly. lost three straight games. They yeah. look like a team is going to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs right now. 100%. Don't make it a distraction if it's not worth it, and I don't know that TikTok dancing is worth it. Field, we got to let you go, <laughs> but before you go, quickly, not health and safety and love and everything else, what material thing do you want for Christmas this year? Wow, I thought you were going to do. I thought we were going to do an area of grievances right now, Sarah. No, I think I've been no, on the no, show no. with you on, previous we're going years. On positivity, yeah. Okay, uh, a material thing that I want for Christmas. You know what, Sarah? I'm a recent homeowner, um, nice. which is exciting and cool. Um, and this is like kind of nerdy, but the first, you know, not long after I moved to our new home, we had a 20 inch snowstorm. I want a snowblower for Christmas. That's yes! all I want. Love it. And I need visual I'm, I'm, proof. If you get that snowblower, I want photos. I want video. Snowblowers are fun as hell. <laughs> I think of it like yeah, a toy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm totally ready. Awesome I can go for a, for a second Roomba, too. I got a dog, as you know, Sarah, and that thing sheds God, everywhere. We're getting so old, man. Roombas and snowblowers. That's what, that's what it's down to. Field, thanks for the time. Enjoy the holidays. Thanks, Sarah. Happy holidays to you, too. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. This is my last show of the year, and since the holidays are near, I figured I would close out by reading you my annual Twas the Night Before Christmas poem recap in sports. And it's a long one, so let's go. That's what she said. Twas the night before Christmas, the year 2020. Troubles and worries and fears were aplenty. As in tough times before, though these clearly the worst, I set out to remember the sports year in verse. As I wrestled with rhymes on this memorable eve, most dreamt of the wonders that St. Nick might leave. Not AirPods, a PlayStation 5, or nice shoes. Not chocolate, 
cigars or a bottle of booze. This year is different. So two are our lists. Less stuff that we want. More things that we've missed, like big hugs from our parents, kids out of the house, a break from the Zoom calls, a break from our spouse, a party for hundreds, no masks on our faces, travel to all of our favorite places, a concert that isn't live streaming on Versus, and most of all, rest for our doctors and nurses. I'd like to believe in what St. Nick can do, but we'll stay safe at home if he doesn't come through. And in the meantime, till normal returns, a poem to distract from our many concerns. Because even though sports didn't look quite the same, we still found a way to compete and play games. Crowned champs, raised trophies, celebrated too. It all started in January with LSU. Tigers v. Tigers, like the Spider-Man meme, as Dabo and Clemson met Ogeron's team. No repeat for Lawrence, Joe Burrow now king. LSU undefeated, capped it off with a ring. Over in the pros, there was wild card madness as fans took great pleasure in New England's sadness. They lost to the Titans. King Henry was great. The Pats AFC title game streak done at eight. Seahawks top Philly, Texans beat Bills. OT between Minnie and Nola brought thrills. Another late loss for Drew Brees and the Saints. Another close call meant more Saints fan complaints. Niners top Vikes, Seattle fell to Green Bay. Houston choked in KC and a noble display. The league MVP and his Baltimore squad got shocked by the Titans and their running back, God. In the title game, San Fran stopped A.A. Ron's run, and the Chiefs were the team to end Tennessee's fun. Stage was set, and the Niners and KC would meet. In Miami, at Super Bowl Live, they'd compete. Mahomes and his homies did their comeback thing to defeat Jimmy G and get Andy his ring. And while Reed will put a smile on most anyone near you, the best moves were still made by J-Lo and Shakira. The game a distraction for many still mourning. The death of a legend with nary a warning. Kobe and Gigi, both loved and adored, killed in a crash that took all those on board. Looking back, some remember his death as the first in a long list of things that made this year our worst. Soon after came COVID, the world put on hold by a virus that couldn't be stopped or controlled. In sports, coaches' playbooks were ditched for physicians. They said we must cancel or postpone traditions. Olympics, March Madness, spring college sports, too. If we wanted to play, the old ways wouldn't do. We'd need bubbles and testing and masks on all faces, ways to keep athletes in sanitized spaces. Is it worth it to try to save jobs and save cash? Would the access to testing earn sports leagues backlash? While we pondered these questions, sports business kept rolling. Free agency, trades, and big deals were ongoing. The W held its first virtual draft. Sabrina went first, no surprise that. The NFL draft was good virtual fun. Bengals got Burrow with pick number one. We love Jerry's yacht and Cliff Kingsbury's pad. The war room at Vrabel's, Javon Kinlaw's dad. Then we relived the 90s with the doc The Last Dance. Thank goodness the film's premiere date was advanced. Tiger King's done. Let the real kings rule. Jordan so fire makes berets look cool. There were memes galore. Waz's shrug, Zeke's rant. Straight up B-words, quoth Horace Grant. iPad reacts, Rodman's bender, vintage hippie Phil. And I took that personally, is going in my will. First returners were NASCAR and the UFC fight island a lie. No beach or palm trees. We watched Bundesliga and the KBO, loved the Carl Ravitch song and swole daddy dino. We were pumped for the start of the NWSL. No pride in the tourney, infected personnel. But once it got going, it went off without a hitch. Record numbers watched on both TV and Twitch. As other sports leagues made their plans to return, cities from coast to coast started to burn. George Floyd was the match that started the flames. How many more hashtags attached to black names? Was playing a game still the number one goal when the country was rightfully searching its soul? Would basketball action steal headlines from riots? Would athletes be asked to just play and stay quiet? All this while NASCAR was banning a flag and racists defended a noose as a gag. The last laugh to Bubba, now sponsored by Beats and driving the Goats 23 in these streets. In July, Hoops players went into the bubble. Others opted out, inspired to find good trouble. 
But even those playing made activists proud, demanding their voices be heard and heard loud. Jerseys bore statements, Black Lives Matter on courts. There was no expectation to just stick to sports. As usual, the W gals led the way. Say her name, vote Warnock. They did more than just play. Wilson of the Aces was MVP, but her team was no match for a healthy Stewie. The Storm won it all. Winning's what they do. First of two rings for Bird, she got engaged, too. Gobert scored first in the Disney World bubble. Twas his test in March that signaled big trouble. We got used to fake crowd noise and virtual fans. Heard all about players and their fishing trip plans. Lou risked it all for those lemon pepper wings. Butler slang coffee. Myers earned chugging king. Of course, the real king remains LeBron James. Still kicking ass, still taking names. Led the Lakers to the title over the upstart Heat. Average nearly 30-12-9 was named Finals MVP. In the end, depth didn't seem to matter much. You got LeBron and AD, you got enough. Despite all the weird weirdness, the hooping was good. You could put an asterisk on the titles, but not many would. Both basketball leagues did it, no positive tests. The gold standard in sport, an example for the rest. Meanwhile, MLB debated over a number of games. Some rolled eyes at the owners' woe-is-me claims. The league went with 60, a sprint of a race, and no bubble to play and no games in one place. It started off shaky. The Marlins got six. St. Louis, too. This could be scrapped quick. Then the Indians scandal with Mike C. and Zach. To Clevenger, teammates said, never come back. But the season pressed on. Things began to calm down. We got news to new rules. Might keep some around. The Astros avoided a season of jeers. Best believe fans have saved plenty booze for next year. An expanded postseason began late September. Two losing teams made it. That's one to remember. L.A. topped the Rays. It was finally their year. A title for Kershaw was something to cheer. But during the game, a real bad scene. Justin Turner tested positive for COVID-19. Came back on the field. No mask on his face. Didn't get punished. MLB's a disgrace. Hockey in August. That was a weird sight. Two Canadian hubs hosted games every night. Tampa Bay won, but it's kind of a bummer. Fans didn't get to party with Stanley all summer. Osaka, the queen of the Queen's Center Court, her masks made a statement bigger than sport. Novak DQ'd when a judge felt his wrath, TM the winner with an easier path. At first, college football was canceled for all, but some Power Five higher-ups said, let's play ball. Eventually, most other conferences caved, but I'm not sure this season was one to be saved. There are outbreaks all over. Schools can't field a team. A COVID-free season? A laughable dream. Good luck to the CFP choosing their squads in a season that's so undeniably flawed. A Masters like no other, no fans to hear for, no witnesses to witness Dustin's course record score. An NBA draft held in Bristol CT? First Edwards, then Wiseman, LaMelo at three. The NFL also looks different this year with fans made of cardboard and pre-taped crowd cheers. COVID sideline Lamar and Cam for the Pats. No QBs at all? Yo, Broncos, what was that? Speaking of different, Tom's in Tampa Bay and it looks like Bill's Pats won't see postseason play. Herbert is great. Two has played well so far. And before he got hurt, Burrow looked like a star. The Cowboys lost Dak and they got even worse. The the Eagles bench Wentz and switched over to Hurts. The Washington squad is a team with no name. Alex Smith is a starter again. That's insane. Mahomes is magic. That remains unchanged. And Bills fans remain the best kind of deranged. The Browns might be good for real. No cap. Unfortunately, the Lions are still mostly crap. Patricia got canned and O'Brien did too. Who's next? Adam Gase. We're all looking at you. Is there still a chance the Jets get their man Trevor? Will Lawrence say, wait, the Jets? No way, never. Will the Steelers hype fizzle come playoff time? Will the Bengals invest in a decent O-line? Was pooping the cause of Lamar Jackson's cramps? Will Casey run it back and be Super Bowl champs? Will Kim Ang lead the Marlins to a World Series win? Will Sabrina start notching triple doubles again? What celeb next will join Angel City FC? And is T-Swift about to drop album number three? So many questions as 2020 nears. Guess that's expected in an uncertain year. There's one thing for sure, maybe just the one. It'll be better than the last trip we took around the sun.
Now, I shouldn't assume even in verse, but really, how could it ever get worse? Each day, a new panic about one's health. People lost jobs, loved ones, and wealth. We also lost so many memorable players. Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Joe Morgan, Gail Sayers, Paul Horning, Al Kaline, and Whitey Ford, Kevin Green, Maradona, all loved and adored. Don Shula, Don Larson, Jerry Sloan, too, Phyllis George, David Stern, John Thompson, adieu. It was a rough year for everyone, that can't be denied. On our faith and our family and friends, we relied. No doubt at all, 2020 ate our plans, so we fired up dreams and grabbed some ocean spray crayon. Did a TikTok dance and we learned how to bake, but that sourdough bread? <laughs> Turns out it was cake. Watched live reads of favorite old movies and shows and cried at finales. Goodbye, Moira Rose. Election results made some people quite sour, delaying the peaceful transition of power. And just when we felt at the end of our rope, a vaccine was approved, bringing much-needed hope. In the new year, who knows? Maybe travel again. Get back to our offices. Back to our friends. But for now, sip some eggnog and watch NBA. Let sports be the thing that helps sweeten our day. We'll be home for Christmas. Where else would we be? And New Year's as well. Counting five, four, three. Oh, I'm getting ahead. It's still Christmas Eve. And the big man in red still has much to achieve. So back to your slumber. Have sweet dreams aplenty. Merry Christmas to all. Smell you later, 2020. Everybody be safe, please. And if you're home alone on Christmas, thank you for being selfless and stopping the spread. And uh, hopefully have some eggnog and some cocoa and watch some good movies and enjoy yourself. Thanks for listening to the show all year. We'll be back January 4th. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio.